Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Joaquin Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Hey, we, uh, as I mentioned, we're obviously doing something a little bit different tonight. We have new people coming through, um, joining the community family all the time, and uh, we just want to share some vision. Um, we actually, we actually are going to break down our, our mission statement and actually uh, just unpack what it, what it means to us, why we put what we put in there, and share all that. Uh, before we do, just a, just a couple of things. We're, we're going after um, building a, a community that knows how to host the presence of God. And uh, a community where God feels really at home and uh, comfortable in our midst and his goodness is on display, not so people look at us, but so that people know how good he is and how near he is. And the transforming love of the Father is released over and over and over and over again. And uh, we share testimonies all the time. You just heard uh, testimonies from Megan and and the girls, but... Amazing things are happening, uh, obviously, around us all the time. Last Saturday, several of us were in Germany, um, but in service here, um, a young lady, amazing young lady, uh, that's part of our community, uh, Ben gave a word of knowledge about trauma being healed, and a young lady um, who 10 10 years ago or so had a uh, a brain aneurysm, an emergency surgery, and uh, uh, and left with a dent uh, in the back of the head where they did the surgery, um, was standing outside of the doors, uh, the sanctuary doors when that word was given, but could hear it, and got hit by God, started weeping, um, received emotional healing and restoration, plus the, the, the dent, the skull filled in in that moment. And... Uh, and at some point, we may, we may have her share the testimony herself at some point. It's amazing. But, I mean, that's the second one in a few months that we've heard of. Someone else driving to church had a, had a, um, a, a ridge, a crack, and a dent in their skull fill in just on the way to church. So God is up to some incredible things. And so the picture we're painting this, this evening is really how do we get, get more of that and really build a community around that. Yes, amen. Joaquin asked me to share a testimony, and I have a couple. Um, They're a little bit different. They're not exactly um, healing testimonies as such, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to share them because I am trying to practice what I preach, (laughs) and um, I keep telling people to take risks and to be inconvenienced to share the love of God, and so over the last couple of weeks, I have uh, stepped out in inconvenient moments to pray for people because I felt like the Lord just put it on my heart. One was our grocery delivery man, and P.S., having your groceries delivered is like a miracle in and of itself. Can I get an amen from all the moms? Yes. So anyway, I prayed for him. He was a little bit like, I'm not sure what to do with you, and I'm like, that's okay. But I was able to prophesy over him, and he was just kind of a little bit stunned, and I was like, anyway, you know, pay attention. I just really believe that the Lord is going to encounter you today. And he kind of went on his way, And then uh, yesterday, my mom and I were shopping at Costco, and I overheard a lady sitting at the, um, like, the samples counter. Don't you love Costco samples? I mean, that's why I go to Costco. I love it. (laughs) Anyway, I overheard her telling a co-worker that her knee, she was having a lot of pain with her knee because she needed knee replacements. And... We had my youngest son, who's almost two, and he was just kind of going crazy. It wasn't a good time to stop. I just wanted to get out of there. But I really felt like the Lord was like, no, you got to stop and ask to pray for her. So I did. And I stepped out of my comfort zone, because that's not comfortable for me to approach people in public. (laughs) And I got to pray for her. And she had tears in her eyes. And she was just so touched by the Lord that someone would stop and just ask to pray for her. And she was a believer And she was just like, praise Jesus, thank you so much. And you could just see the impact that it had on her, that someone would take time to stop to tell her how much the Lord loved her. And I asked her to test out her knee. She didn't. So I don't know if she got healed or not, but 
Anyway, the moral of the story is like we want to create a culture of risk and stepping out of our comfort zone to see heaven come. And sometimes it results in skulls filling in. Sometimes it results in the dead being raised. But sometimes it results in just tears in someone's eyes that you stopped in the middle of your busy day to tell them that God loved them. So. Come on. So good. So good. Well, this is the love of God that transforms everything. Uh, can you put the, the mission statement up there? And we're just going to, we're going to read that. And then we're going to talk about uh, kind of step by step a little bit and just share our heart and our vision. I, ho I hope this is okay. It's a little bit different. Um, but our mission statement as a church is we are a church that passionately pursues the presence of God and seeks to continually be led by the Holy Spirit. We are passionate about equipping believers to become empowered saints, to raise up leaders who will influence cities, regions, and nations for kingdom purposes. Our heart is to foster vibrant families and thriving community. We are a generous people willing to do whatever it takes to see lives transformed and revival sweep the nation so that Jesus gets his full reward. morning that's what that's what we really want is for Jesus to get his full reward and my my dad hit it hit it so well earlier that Jesus has paid a huge price for us to be reconciled to the father for us to step into freedom Jesus is always uh, upholding his end of the deal of the covenant um, and so we just get to do our peace right and it's not even our ability it's it's still through the grace of God but as we step in all that he's made available that Jesus gets gets his full reward out of that thank you Jesus so you know as we as we break this down uh, the the point as we're sharing this is that really we're inviting people into this this community into a culture but we're inviting people to run together and you have to know what you're running, what you're running with, and what you're running after, and what you're running for. We know Habakkuk 2.2, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and inscribe it on tablets. Make it plain that one who reads it may run. And so our purpose in sharing this today uh, is that, that we all may run faster and further and uh, together. Uh, after the vision that the Lord has put on our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Um, I just wanted to add as well, I once heard Chris Vallotton say that vision gives pain a purpose. And um, I love vision statements. I love seeing vision statements for our church. I love seeing vision statements for my own life because it gives transition a purpose. And sometimes we can get stuck in this place of transition. And if we don't have our vision clearly before us, we often will stay in the wilderness far longer than we were ever intended to stay there. And so I just want to even encourage you as a family, as an individual, that you would even write your own vision statements that you guys can run after. And I know for me, like, especially when times are tough, like sometimes I just have to get out that piece of paper and I have to read that vision statement and remind myself what I'm doing and what I've been put on earth to do. And it gives that pain sometimes that we go through purpose. And likewise, I have no trouble dreaming. Anyone else? Yeah, no? Well, okay, not many people. Well, like Joaquin sometimes is like, can you not start a new business today? Because <laughs> I just like get ideas for businesses all the time. And I'm like, oh, we should do this, we should do that. And Joaquin's like, I think we have enough on our plate. Just stop. And so, I have no problem dreaming. I'm the, I'm the practical one. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> and he's always like, you've got a lot going on. Don't do anything else. But vision helps to keep me, vision and my husband helps to keep me focused. <laughs> so when we have a vision, it's not just to get us through those hard moments and keep us focused, but it's also to help us decide and make choices of like, oh, that's really good but it's not best for this season. Because I think God, he always has good in store for us, but that's, it's our job to listen to Holy Spirit, to the timing on the best choices. 
And if we don't have vision, sometimes we can just chase after the good because it's good. But actually, God's not in it. And so I feel like vision for ourselves and as a church is just so vital so that we can just run after the Lord with this laser focus. And you know what? Our vision statement is going to be different than other churches' vision statements, and that's exactly how it's meant to be. This is what our church is called to, not every church. Amen? Praise the Lord, we don't have every church that looks the same. So it's our hope that if this resonates with you, this mission statement, this vision, that you would just run with us and build with us because we're excited. So, well, I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) So vision, actually, it, it equips you to run, which means there's an empowerment that comes off of vision. So actually, as we share today, we're believing that there's an equipping and an impartation that's going to come upon you. Actually, strength will be imparted into you as we share. So Jesus, we just thank you for grace just being released as we share and equipping and strength to run faster and further than we ever thought possible because you're always doing more than we could think, hope, or imagine. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So you want to go to the next next slide. We're basically going to break it down line by line and, uh, and our heart there. And I love the first line. I love every line. But uh, we are a church that passionately pursues the presence of God and seeks to continually be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you haven't... If you haven't figured it out yet, we're madly in love with the presence of God. We're, uh, we're kind of addicted to the presence and to the goodness of God. And uh, thank you, Jesus. How many people know you, you can't overdose on the goodness of God? But uh, you have permission to try. And, uh, <clears throat> and we're, we're in love with the presence of God because, really, Joking aside, we're in love with him, and his presence is him. And I believe that we are, we are learning as the church, especially the Western church, we're coming into this revelation that his presence really is him. And when I was telling the uh, Elements class earlier this afternoon that when that peace begins to come in in worship and and the stuff of the week begins to break away, we begin to enter in. That peace that we're experiencing is not just a response to a good song. That is the Prince of Peace. That is the King of Kings coming into the room. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God that we read about. That's the God that we pray to actually entering into our environment, into our midst. And... You hear us say it all the time, but what we give thanks for in the kingdom increases. So God, by his own decree, you've heard me say it a hundred times, but Psalms 22, he inhabits the praise of his people, Israel, and that we have all been grafted in. How many people believe the Bible's true? 80%. That's good. That's... (laughs) If you... you if you listen to the language that, that by his own decree, he's saying that when you give him genuine heartfelt praise, he has to come. And that he builds up and establishes his throne amongst our praise. And so we're going to continue to praise and continue to create place for him to come, recognizing that every, every time he comes, that it's actually the king of kings. And that when he comes, it's not a question if he's coming. The question is, how are we responding to his coming? Because when he comes, if we're like, oh, yeah, I got tingles again. I love that song. That's my favorite song. It just remains tingles. But if we, if we allow the, the childlike awe in our heart to realize this is God, by his own choice and his own decree, choosing to share himself with us and having our praise that thanksgiving increases his presence in our midst. And he just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. Thank you, Jesus. And, the, and we, we're, we love worship. We're just going to keep on worshiping and keep on worshiping until, until every chain is broken. 
till every addiction is broken, till every family is restored, till every person is living in their identity sonship as an empowered saint transforming the world around them. Because that's what happens in his presence. Thank you, Jesus. And, and in our pursuit as a church, growing, developing, we want to be led by the Holy Spirit on a continual basis. Because the Holy Spirit is the part of the Godhead that's active on the earth right now. He's the part of the Godhead that is empowering his bride to live out the vision, the purpose, the mission the fulfillment of Jesus, that full reward, it's the Holy Spirit that's empowering us to do that. And again, I, I really, uh, I told the class earlier, I feel like, not, not us solely as a church, but I feel like the church is in this process of redefining what Western Christianity looks like. And we really have to recognize that in God's plan and in God's church, Holy Spirit is central. The, the, Father, the, the Father created the heavens and the earth, and sin came in the picture, and the Father sent Jesus to come and to live a perfect life and die on our behalf, take sin on, onto himself on the cross, break the power of sin so that we can be reconciled. But then this Jesus... And John 16 says, it's better for you that I go away. Because another is coming. That, that the Holy Spirit, the counselor, is coming to lead us into all truth. I just, I want to read a couple of verses. In John 14, verse 26, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Somebody say all things. Amen. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. In John 15, verse 26, he says, But when the Helper comes, who I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. This is Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to testify of Jesus. And what we just referenced, chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus again speaking, never, never, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, I don't know about you, but this wrecks me every time I read it. Wow. This is Jesus, while he's on earth with his disciples. I mean, talking to the guys who got to walk with him, camp with him, watch him raise the dead, watch him mess up every funeral he ever attended, <laughs> watch him multiply fish and bread and walk on water. And he, this Jesus that we worship and read about and given our lives to you, this Jesus says, it's better for you that I go away. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, whoa, whoa, time out. Like, what are you talking about? You know, Peter's like, where else are we going to go? We have nothing left, right? You have the words of life that proceed from your mouth. They've given up everything to follow this guy. And this guy says, it's better for you that I leave. Well, what's better than spending the last three years with Jesus, watching him raise the dead and walk on water? See, the disciples, they were with Jesus, but when he sends the Holy Spirit, God isn't just going to be with them. He's going to be in them. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to stop there. He could keep going for a long time on that one. Um, I just wanted to briefly touch on that, uh, on the part where it says to continually be led by the Holy Spirit. In order for us to be a church that is led by the Holy Spirit, then we need individuals who are led by the Spirit and who can hear the Holy Spirit and follow Him. And so just really simple, bringing it practical. I think some of the ways that we can do that is to stop running to people and start running to God. 
Sometimes I think even when you're trying to lead something or steer something, sometimes even our natural response is, let's go and ask advice from people who have been there and done that before us. And it's good because wisdom is good from other people and it's good to get counsel, but not if that's replacing the voice of God. And so we just have to continually commit as individuals to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, and I think that the more that we trust his voice, the more that we recognize it. You ever had his voice tell you to do something? Can you kind of like, ah, I don't know if it's him. No, just me? Okay. (laughs) Like on a daily basis, sometimes it happens for me. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that wasn't you. That's too scary. Um, But the more that we listen and the more that we obey, the more we recognize his voice. And so we just need to get into this habit of obedience and continually obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I love the saying that says, an ounce of obedience is more powerful than a pound of prayer. Because we can pray and we can pray and we can pray, but if we don't do what he's asked us to do, what's the point? You know, prayer in and of itself, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, isn't powerful. I mean, Muslims pray right? Hindus pray. It's the person that we pray to that makes it powerful. Amen. But if it's just a one-way communication, then there's no obedience on the end of that. Then it's empty. And so I just want to encourage you to continually be led by the Holy Spirit as individuals as families, and you know, even something personally for me, I can be really practical sometimes. I'm like, give me the practicals, like logistics. Let's do this. Let's build something. Here are the plans. And you know, Joaquin can sometimes be a little bit more like, oh, Holy Spirit's doing this. Let's do this. And I'm like, Boy, I thought I was the what about one. the plan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we had a plan. We had a schedule. <laughs> Anyone else a little bit like me and sometimes find it a little bit hard to deviate from the plan or the schedule. Yeah, me. Um, You know, but when we first started this, I was kind of excited because, again, I like building things. I love building, whether it's churches, people, businesses, love building. Um, And I felt like the Lord said, Renee, I don't want you to take charge on building this church. I want you to let me build this church. And I was like, oh, I can do that. Like, totally, I can do that. And then he's like, and what's more, if your plans get thrown out the window because Joaquin is obeying the presence and leading of the Holy Spirit, then you're to submit to what he, to his inclination towards me. Because he's more concerned, this is even hard for me to say, but he's more concerned with me, with leading, letting me lead than he is with building. And that's not my natural MO. My natural MO is like I tend to lean towards building preparation plans. And so I was like, I am not the greatest at submitting. (laughs) Babe, that's where you jump in and say, no, babe, you're awesome. (laughs) Notice how he's silent. I I tried, my mic cut out for a second. that but in this respect I have learned to submit because I know that his value for the presence and leading of the Holy Spirit is it trumps my my protocols my procedures my scheduling my systems and all of that kind of stuff and do we need both to build a church yes we do but we need the presence of God first and foremost as a priority amen Man, if we didn't have more to get through, I have an altar call right now. I'm ready for an upgrade. Thank you, Jesus. We can go to the next uh, next line. Um, it says, we are passionate about equipping believers to become empowered saints, to raise up leaders who will influence cities, regions, and nations for kingdom purposes. 
And uh, Renee was just talking about building, um, building people. You know, from our mantra from the very beginning, even when we felt God was calling us to do this, we said, one, God will only go if your presence goes before us. And he's been faithful in that. And we said, God, okay, we'll, we'll go. But our interest isn't in building a big church. Our interest is in building big people. And we want people who, who, again, know their identity, know the goodness of the Father, know how to seek his face, know how to, to carry that goodness and see transformation in their families and, and their, their spheres of influence at work, school, everywhere they go to bring and release uh, the goodness of the Father everywhere they go. God's perspective is that we are no longer sinners but saints. I'll say that again. God's perspective is that we're no longer sinners but saints. Uh, um, the First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul says this, To the church of God which is in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, Saints by calling with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. And that Paul here says he's speaking to, to the saints that you've been called to this calling of saints. And, he, and he, he qualifies it by saying everyone fits this calling who calls on the name of Jesus everywhere. Everywhere. If you call on the name of Jesus, you consider him Lord. How many people believe that the blood, the work of Jesus on the cross was sufficient? Yeah. That, that it cleansed us, and in God's eyes, it made us righteous before God. Amen? Yeah. Therefore, we are saints before God. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have the ability to sin, we do. It just means in order to sin, we have to step outside of our identity to sin. We're not sinners living out our identity. We're saints pursuing the high call of God for our life. And in order to be empowered, we, we have to first understand that and embrace that. Because we're not trying to live, live our ideas. We're trying to live God's. This was God's plan from the beginning. Amen? That it wasn't our idea for Jesus to come and to live a sinless life and to die on our behalf so that we could be reconciled to the Father. Somebody say amen to that. <laughs> that wasn't our plan. That was God's plan. And God calls you a saint. Thank you, Jesus. So in order to be, in order to influence cities and regions for kingdom purposes, we first have to understand how God looks at his children and understand that, that Jesus' work on the cross really is sufficient. Thank you, Jesus. We are, we are saints working to believe the grandness of what Christ has already done for us. We're not trying to convince God to do anything. We're not trying to convince God that, that we're worthy targets of his love. That's already been decided. Yeah. We're not trying to convince God that we're worthy of his gifts. That's already been decided. Yeah. We're not trying to convince God that, that Austin is a great place for him to show up and to show off. That's already been decided. God decided that from the beginning. Our, what we're actually working to do is believe what he's already declared. And what he's already released and what he's already decided. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, we're not raising up pew sitters. <laughs> we're raising up those who understand that they're called as sons and daughters. That they're called as saints and that they carry his goodness. And that by God's design, his design is to work through you and I to transform the world around us. And I, I, I preach on it all the time. But it's his design to use imperfect people. Yes, I said that. <laughs> people who are in process. It's his design to release all of the goodness 
of the kingdom through his sons and daughters who don't yet have it figured out. Because when he moves through his people who are still in process, that's when the rest of the world goes, wow, if he can do it through you, then there's hope for me. Thank you, Jesus. That when we begin to embrace this and recognize that we are called to influence the spheres around us, and then we begin to realize that we can begin to raise up others who recognize that they can influence spheres around them. That is what kingdom leadership is all about. It's not about a title. Come on. Am I preaching to anybody? Listen, it's... It's not about a title, right? It's, it's, it's about influencing people. It's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. It's like, listen, I'm not perfect, but God's moving through me. He can move through you, too, and start gathering people and saying, come on, let's seek his face and let's see what happens. When you, when you, the more you do that, next thing you know, you're influencing your family. Then you're influencing your neighborhood. Then you're influencing your work. And then you're influencing you know, a, a whole city. And then you're influencing... Region, and you turn around, and you're like, I don't, uh, how did we influence this whole region? I don't know. I just started by seeking his face and inviting other people into that place. Come on. Thank you, Aaron. I Isn't like Aaron you. the most encouraging person ever? I love it. If I feel like I have a tough audience, I just preach to Aaron. Okay, I wanted to read out of Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So again, it's kind of repeating when it says the equipping the believers to become empowered saints. We believe that it's part of our job is to help equip believers to go out and do the work of the ministry. You know, and sometimes I feel like um, some of these gifts, they get glorified beyond measure. It's actually not our job to make everyone prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, it's our job to equip the saints to do whatever God has gifted them to do. Because we don't need a whole lot of people up behind a pulpit preaching. We actually need people who believe that Jesus is in a good mood, amen, that he's died and rose again for them, and to go out and tell their workplace. You know, to go out and get into some of the realms of society where they can begin to influence and shape these areas and these cultures. Amen? I'm like, man, as soon as we can get church outside of church, we're winning. Ooh, come on. I, um, I wanted to just touch on a couple of the, pla- the, couple of the lists that we talked about to influence cities, regions, and nations. And this is just a little bit of vision casting as well. But we had it in our announcements. But cities, one of the things, we're doing many things in the city of Austin. And we have heart and vision to do many more. But one of the things that we're doing is city services. So we're picking up rubbish. Trash. Trash. Sorry. Forgot where I was, y'all. Anyway, trash. We're picking up trash. Um, (laughs) And I love that we are doing this. It is one of the most practical ways that we can make our city beautiful. Amen? And I don't know about you, but we took our kids the last city service. They, just the older two, five and six, and we were just teaching them. They're like, why are we picking up rubbish? And we're like, you know what? If you can change the environment around you, you can change the world. And it may just look like trash to someone, but it is actually affecting our city. Now we're starting to get open doors and favors with this agency who is employing the homeless in our city. And the senators and the councilmen and councilwomen, they're paying attention to what organizations are doing to serve our city with no strings attached. And that is our heart, is to serve our city with no strings attached. You know, I think as a young believer, I just kind of came to this realization the other day, but as a young believer, I thought it was my goal to make everyone think like me, to make everyone believe like me. 
You know, and sometimes that's our evangelist tactic. Oh, I just got to get that person to believe in God like I believe in God. It's like, that's actually not our job. Our job is to point people to a good father. And our job is to usher in encounters for people. It is not our job to debate, to sway people's opinions. That's his job. It's his job. And so it's so easy for us to go out and love our city with no strings attached because Jesus just simply served everywhere he went. Amen? Another area is um, regions, but another area that we're really working in is business and government. And we are developing new ministries all the time, but this is a little bit of a plug for a meeting that we have coming up. I don't actually know the details, but I'll plug it anyway. It's here, here in the core room Tuesday. Core room Tuesday night, the 11th. At 7 o'clock. At 7, what, 30? 7. At 7 p.m., we're having an entrepreneur meeting. So we're starting to gather some of the the entrepreneurs in our community and just dreaming together, like how can we affect this city and this region? And that's one of the most practical ways that we can do it is through businesses. Amen? So we are going after that. We are uh, going after a lot of things that are going to be able to impact our region. And another thing is the nations. And we have such a heart for missions here. We are about to do our first missions trip next month. Yes. Who's coming on that trip? Come on. It's a family missions trip. And I'm so excited to take our kids. Kind of. No, I am. (laughs) No, I really am. (laughs) But let's be honest, the two-year-old on the mission field is like, well, this is going to be fun. Um, So, but we are so excited. We have another one coming up to New York City, and that's in September, right, Shane? So we just love sending people out to the nations, and it really is our heart to begin to support ministries, uh, sorry, missionaries, and to send short-term missions teams to just cover the nations and, um, yeah, see God come, see heaven come. One of the last things I wanted to say, and Joaquin touched on it when he talked about church growth, is there's a really big difference between church growth and church expansion. We're actually not about church expansion because that's just about bigger buildings, more people, more money, more stuff, just expanding. But church growth is actually when the individual believer begins to bear good fruit and grows spiritually mature. Amen? So that's what we're about. We're about church growth. We want to see people get healthy. A huge core value of ours is we want to see people get free and live free. And then we want to see them raised up to be mature Christians who are going out there and just changing the world in which they live in. Amen? Amen. So good. Um, just on that, influencing cities, we have, we're sowing into ministries all the time. If you've been around, you know that we, um, we took our first offering when we, when we launched as a church and we gave the entire the entire uh, offering to the city, to other ministries in the city. And we continue to support other ministries um, that are doing phenomenal things because this is, this is a kingdom thing, not a church thing. And uh, so we continue to support. We really have a heart for seeing uh, sex trafficking ended. So we're looking for places to partner for that. Um, and we, we have... Um, we have two two and a half percent of all of our income that comes in goes directly to um, city service benevolence. Um, uh, without question, two and a half percent. We can give more than that, but goes into that every month. We also have two and a half percent that goes to missions every month. So we have a we have um, a missionary or a growing number of people that we're supporting on a regular basis. But we have a missionary um, uh, Desmond who was here several months ago. If you were around, but he works in, part-time in um, uh, Bronx, Brooklyn, Brooklyn in New York, and part-time in Jamaica. He was just in Jamaica and fed um, hundreds of hundreds of kids with a, uh, an outdoor stove that we bought their ministry. And, uh, and then they saw hundreds of, of people just coming to the Lord uh, down their crazy miracles. And he's in, he is in the... the the most gang-infested, hardest areas 
of Kingston, Jamaica, where police don't even go into these areas. And he's going in there with the gospel and seeing neighborhoods, regions transform. Um, and uh, last thing on influencing cities, regions, and nations that I want to say, sometimes our name will be known and often it will not be known. But if you have to have, if you want to have real influence, you need to celebrate, sure, when your name is attached to breakthrough, but you need to celebrate more when your name isn't attached to the breakthrough. Where you know that you've had influence, you influenced a businessman, you influenced um, somebody in the education system, you influenced someone in government, and they see real change, real change for the good, for the kingdom, and your name isn't connected to that, that's really a time to celebrate. So we want to be a people who are about, about kingdom, not just, not just church. Come on. All right. So the next line, our heart is to foster vibrant families and thriving community. And so revival doesn't just look like miracles. Revival looks like community and family. And the, king, the kingdom, and that, that, is, that is true because the kingdom is family. That we are all, I love Eric Johnson said at our, our launch conference, that we're not, our goal isn't to gather people under, under one roof. Our goal is to gather people under one father. And we, we exist because we have a good father. And his goal is to raise up sons and daughters. So the kingdom looks like, looks like family therefore revival includes the restoration and revival of family like healthy family being raised up with with loving parents and children who love the lord fathers who know how to cast vision into their families thank you jesus i'm i'm, I'm excited about that <laughs> You know, the Old Testament closes with this notion of restoring the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. And that includes mothers and fathers. Amen? And so revival isn't just about, woohoo, somebody got healed, woohoo, somebody got saved on the streets. Like, yes, stepping out of the box, crossing the chicken line, seeing uh, influence, that is all part of it. But it has to start in this dynamic of us loving each other in real ways, being vulnerable and coming together as family, and then, and then seeing families empowered to carry out kingdom values and culture, both at home and, and everywhere they go. That's where real influence and transformation happens. Um, true revival is also generational. that God always refers to and works in three generations. Revival is gen generational. That, uh, you know, I say it all the time. To me, you really know that revival is at hand when it's happening amongst the children. When it's happening amongst the kids. Adults can manufacture it. Children are not. Come on. And we're having God move amongst our kids. You heard it tonight. Like they're having, they're hearing from God. They're leading in times of encounter. They're seeing miracles. They're bringing their friends who are getting saved. Like it's happening amongst the kids. But revival has to be generational. That the, 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 the grandparents are involved. The parents are involved. And the children are involved. And we're all carrying it together. Thank you, Jesus. That's some good preaching, babe. Thanks. You're my biggest fan. <laughs> I'm your biggest fan. Oh. <laughs> I, I have a little bit of a warning. I'm about to uh, build a soapbox for this point. I apologize in advance. I mean, not enough not that I'm really. not going to say it, but I mean. <laughs> okay. I wanted to really focus in on the word foster in this uh, sentence. So foster means to encourage or promote the development of something typically regarded as good. So it is our heart to foster vibrant families and a thriving community, but it is not our job to create it. 
And I think that sometimes we can go to a church and we can be like, what are you doing for me? How are you going to plug me into community? How are you creating community for me? (laughs) But it's not the church's job to create community for you. It is your job as a believer in Jesus to be responsible to create community for yourself. We will do our best to give opportunity. We have created life groups. We've created dinner for eight. We have created serving teams. But we can't make you do that. It is the responsibility of the individual believer to participate and be intentional about building their community and their family. As a grown daughter, it is not my parents' responsibility to make me participate in my family. (laughs) Matthew 18, 20, it says, shh, babe. (laughs) Go ahead, I'm enjoying this. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am, there I am with them. Romans 12, 5. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. See, it's the normal Christian life to fellowship with other Christians. But I can't tell you how many times we hear, and not just in this setting, but we've built ministries before. But we have people saying, I need more community. Give me community. Where's that community feeling? And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing to build community? Because we cannot build community. We can only foster community. And so I want to encourage you. Hopefully, that's encouraging. Not too much of a slap in the face. I'm sorry. I preach to you guys how I like to be preached to, and sometimes I just need a little bit of a, you know, I don't know. (laughs) But (laughs) we love community. We love family. We have a really high value for it. And some of the most valuable people in our environment are those who grab other people and say, hey, come to dinner with us. Hey, come have coffee with me. Hey, let's do a play date. But sometimes we can get so comfortable and we don't want to risk stepping out, maybe fear of rejection, whatever it is. And so we let our fear dictate how we experience community. And we just can't do that. We just kind of have to put on our big girl pants. (laughs) And we just have to look and create community for ourselves. Do you guys say that here? Is that a saying in America? I said a saying the other day and everyone was like, what? Oh, throw a spanner in the works. Apparently it's a wrench. Throw a wrench in the work. Anyway, rabbit trail. Um, (laughs) So we really do love family and really do love community And I actually just met someone at the beginning of service today. I don't know where she is, but she came up and she was just saying thank you. And um, she was a greeter on the door. And she was like, I've just been here for a couple of months, but the community and the family that, like, I have felt since I've been here has been incredible. Like, I've never felt community that has felt like family. And you know what the first thing I noticed was? I was like, oh, you're serving. I was like, oh, you're actually being intentional and giving something that costs of you because sometimes community and sometimes family, it costs something, amen? And I just had that thought. I was like, of course you're experiencing community because you're all in. You've been here for two months and you're already serving. Of course you have community. So that's not just a plug for serving. (laughs) But if you want community, that's a good place to start. But sometimes 
community and family requires something of us. And sometimes it's not all comfortable. And sometimes we're going to disagree with each other. And that is where we have to begin to value relationship over being right. That was hard for me to learn. I like being right. (laughs) And sometimes I'm like, you know what? I don't have a dog in that fight. Don't worry about it. Let's just leave it. Because God knits us together through community and the things that we have in common, not the things that we disagree on. So community and finding your tribe doesn't always mean that you're finding a bunch of people who think like you. But that's the beauty of relationship and it's the beauty of family is that you all look different and that we all have different gifts and we all think differently. Amen? So... If you're looking for community, we have a lot of opportunities where we are trying to foster community. But I would love to encourage you to just buy into it, to just say yes, to be bold, to reach out maybe, get out of your comfort zone a little bit, and invest your life into the lives of other people. Amen? Soapbox over. All right, last, last line, and then we're going we're gonna to pray for some people. <clears throat> pray for an upgrade to run after the vision that God's releasing for this city. Um, we are a generous people willing to do whatever it takes to see lives transformed and revival sweep the nation so that Jesus gets his full reward. It, says, it starts with, we are a generous people. And that's, that's easy because our Father is generous. We have a generous Father, and we're called to be generous also. <clears throat> Generosity um, is often the greatest indicator of faith. You know, it's, it's easier to, like, stand up and preach and, you know, you can pray for somebody in the street, you can prophesy, but then when it comes to your resources, <laughs> it comes to your possessions, it comes to your time, it's like, do you really trust that God is going to show up? Do we really trust that he's a God of abundance and that he's a God of more than enough? And that when we're really moving in faith, when we're really in revival, one of the greatest signs of revival is radical generosity. Listen, I believe that God, that I can give because God is just going to give more than I gave. Listen, you can't outgive God. Well, it got really quiet in here. I'm (laughs) preaching to myself. That's all right. (laughs) it's, It's generosity is a sign of the measure of trust that we're living in. And I'm not, obvious, I'm not just talking about finances, obviously. I'm talking about our time, how we, we give of our, our, our resources, our, our serving, the way we love each other, the, our ability to give. Generosity is a true sign of revival. And generosity is also a true sign of the kingdom. That one of the defining characteristics of the kingdom of heaven is no fear of lack. Because we actually understand the nature of our Father. And the next part of that line is that we're willing to do whatever it takes. And, and here's where things really change. Here's where the Western, the concept of the Western church gets redefined. That we're not after comfortable Christianity. We're after God Christianity. We're after Jesus showing up. We're, we're after our city really being transformed. And Jesus paid the highest price. He came, he gave his life for us. So I'm not just going to give him an hour on a Sunday 
I'm going to give him everything. You can have it all. You can have, you can have my finances. You can have my time. You can have my dig dignity. We got quiet again. You can, you can have my chicken line. Listen, people are, people are surprised all the time to find out I'm actually an introvert. They're like, no, no, you know, it's true. Like, apart from ministering to people on the street or the platform, I don't talk a lot. <laughs> like, I'm an introvert. People, like, they, they see me preach or they, they see that sign, and then I get down from here and I don't talk. People are like, oh, does he like me? I'm not sure if he likes me. He's not saying, I'm like, I'm cool. I'm just being me. I'm just quiet. Like, until it comes to telling people about Jesus. Because he died for me. So I can't stay quiet. I can't stay silent. If he needs my money, he can have it. If he needs my time, he can have it. Whoa. What, what is it? What's available when a whole company of people will do whatever it takes? To see his kingdom come and... Jesus get his full reward. Thank you, Jesus. What you said. That's what we're going after. And I said it already. I've preached it here for. Philippians, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the Greek, this word strengthen is, is two words. It's in, which is in us, and dunamo, the dynamic working power of God is where we get our word dynamite. It's not just God cheering us on. Paul is talking about he's learned this place where, where he's accepted the dynamic power of God. He's opened himself up. He's surrendered, said, you can have all of me. So the dynamic working power of God has stepped into him. And in that place, he's like, whoa, I can do all things. That's, where, that's the grace of heaven. So we've cast the vision, and we want to invite you to run, not after just our vision. It's a kingdom vision. But we want to invite you to run, and we believe that there's an equipping for the saints tonight. If that's, if that's you, if that, anything we've said tonight resonates with you, we want to invite you to stand to your feet. I better, I better stand up. I think I believe it. <laughs> and we're going to pray we're going to pray for the dynamic grace of heaven the equipping grace of heaven to come that those who read the vision may run thank you Jesus I'm going to pray corporately I'm going to bless you you can go if you need to get your children Go get your children, and after that, we're going to have the ministry uh, team up here, and they're up here to see God bring restoration in hearts, lives, families, and bodies. If you need prayer, they're going to be up here, but I, <clears throat> I'm going to pray corporately, but then I'm going to create a place. The team's just going to play. I feel like there's some people in the room who your, who your yes isn't just to like, I put my hand on my heart, yes. You're like, I want to come up, and I want to stand in this anointing for the indunamo, the dynamic equipping of God to run with the vision. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come. But right now, everybody, just put your hand on your heart. And we say, Jesus, first of all, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that we have a good father who's in a good mood, who's already madly in love with us, who's already madly in love with our families, and who's already madly in love with Austin. I thank you that we don't have to convince you to come. We just have to get out of the way so that you can come. <laughs> and God, we thank you for grace on the vision. And God, I pray right now that over everyone who calls this 
place their tribe, their family, that an equipping would come, an empowering would come, a dynamic working grace of heaven would enter your heart and your life for increase right now, that you'd be able to run at a greater pace and with more grace and with more breakthrough than ever before in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.